salvation is a is a life-changing encounter when you when you meet Jesus and receive him as savior and lord your life is changed forever but then the question comes what comes after that for there's the rest of life to live as a christian so how then for the rest of a christian's life will they live it uh, can a christian live a long time and cross the finish line sweet and spiritually productive uh, this is the theme of our discussion today and i welcome you to our podcast welcome listener to our podcast today it's my pleasure uh, to have with me alan esau alan and his wife marlene are from our congregation Alan is one of our seniors, and uh, and uh, he he and Marlene have a uh, a wonderful approach to the Christian life that makes them, uh, <laughs> whenever they're in church, they're surrounded by people, and uh, you kind of wonder why. And so, Alan, it's great to have you here uh, for our podcast. My pleasure. Uh, so. To orient the listener, Alan, tell us tell us a little bit of your story. Where are you from? Where were you raised? A little bit of that. Okay. I was born in a rented farmhouse near Linden, Alberta, about a, oh. 18 miles from Three Hills, Alberta. Yeah, yeah. If you know where that is. My mom and dad were, I was number five of what turned out eventually to be 13 children. Okay. And so I was... Uh, the fifth one, and uh, we had a tragedy in our home shortly after I was born. Our oldest brother was killed in a hay-riding accident at a church function. Oh. He fell off the wagon, uh, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the wheels rolled over his heart with a oh. load of kids on it. How old was he then? He was 14. Oh, wow. And I was six at the time, and it was on my mother's birthday that it happened. So that was a setback, but my dad wasn't a believer. And so my mother took the uh, reins, and and she w was our spiritual leader in our home. And uh, she was of the Haldeman faith, and my dad was born, his parents were Mennonite brethren. Okay, so your dad was raised in a Christian setting, but chose to go yes, he his didn't. own way. He didn't want anything to do with Christianity, but he didn't allow my, he didn't disallow my family to go that way, that route, and that was the Haldeman way. Uh, tell uh, for the listener who's never heard the word Haldeman before, what is that? It's a sect of Mennonites, a very legalistic sect. Okay, and it was founded by John Haldeman, and he uh, from Manitoba, and he had a following. And worldwide, I think they were like 26,000 of them. Okay. Throughout the U.S. and Canada and some in Europe as well. So, so you would go uh, as, a, as a, a youngster with your mom to church? That's correct. And what, what was it like to go there? Well, it was, it was also our entertainment and it was our socializing and that's where our friends... We got our friends from our church, mm -hmm. and my mother's parents and her, all her siblings were of that faith. 
So there was lots of first cousins okay. and, and everything in the church. And so that made it very normal for us to be in church. Yeah. And we learned to sing and we learned the Bible and, and uh, but no musical instruments. There was lots of oh. restrictions in this uh, cult, but we didn't know different. I don't know if it was a cult, but it was bordered on it. And so they, uh, you know, the color of the car mattered. Oh. And things of that nature where that you were very strict as to what you could do. But I grew up that way, so it wasn't a big burden to me till I got out in the world. Oh. And education was usually cut off at grade nine. Nobody exceeded grade, eight, grade nine because the government required you to go to school so long. Yep. So after that, every Haldeman child would drop out of school unless... You wanted to pursue a profession that required further education, like a doctor, a teacher, a nurse. Mm -hmm. So I chose to become a teacher, and that's the only way. And that was my first experience really away from the community and the Holman Church. And I had experienced the world for a change. And that took me down a darker path. And I spent my time with other friends who I got through the university, playing cards and doing other things other than doing my homework. So at the end of the term, they gently asked me to pursue something else. Oh, Teacher wow. was not for me. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now let me let me backpack a little, <laughs> backtrack a little bit. So so you're raised in a. Very religious environment. Yes. Uh, uh, very, uh, uh, you know, dutiful. You follow the rules and that kind of thing. Um, where was Jesus Christ in all of this? Well, Jesus was still the head of the of the church, in that sense. Mr. Holdeman and Jesus probably. Well, the church actually took priority over Jesus when it okay. came to rules and regulations. We had to. We were judged by our faith in Jesus was judged by how we treated the man-made rules. Oh, okay, okay. So, tell me then how you came into relationship with Jesus. How how did that happen? By the profession of my faith in the Holy Spirit. Or, or it was called the uh, Holy Ghost. Yeah? Yeah. W when you were how old? At uh, 17. And it, every fall in the Haldeman Church, there, was a, there would be a revival meeting. Oh, And they okay. would import pastors from the, or ministers, they'd be called, from the U.S. or wherever that were very in, influential in their speaking. And so that's when all the young people would, that were brought up in the community would uh, decide that it was time to th make things right with God. And then we were all sort of at the same time lined up and sprinkled and profession of our faith in Jesus and also in the Holy Ghost and, uh, and in the church. Okay, why was... Because you explained it a little bit differently than than I'll I'll get from other people. Because you're including a profession with regard to the Holy Ghost. What what did that what did that entail, or why was that important? 
Well, that was part of the ritual, I guess. I don't know if I really understood the whole meaning of it. Yeah, yeah. But it was part of the, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, mm-hmm. the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what the, how the, the verbiage went. And then I, they would pour you, pour water on you. Then they go to the next one, and there's usually about eight of us. Okay. And I was more inclined to just go along with the crowd. Okay. But since everybody else was doing it, Alan, you should do it as well. So I said, well, it's got to be a good thing. So oh. I, at that time, committed myself to doing the same thing. Now, uh, if we fast forward a little bit, so if if you came to Christ at 17, and then you go for studies, and you kind of walk away. That's right. Why Why did you do that? Well, I don't... That's where I... I felt that I couldn't live up to the rules of the church, so I pretty well denounced my little bit of faith that I had and said, this is not for me. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be judged on my works rather than in my belief and my profession. So I said, I might as well go into the world and and, uh, leave my faith behind. So at 17, I was basically baptized. Then about at 18, I left the church. Oh. Because they started to, uh, then I had to be accountable because now you're, you know, profession of faith. So you've got to leave your, all your worldly things behind. Yeah. And that's uh, when I I had influence from other, from other uh, kids that weren't Taldeman. Through, through, because I pursued education, mm-hmm. so in university, and even from grade 10 on, I was in association with people that weren't Haldemans because there was no yeah. Haldemans going beyond nine. Yeah. So 10, 11, and 12. And I was, I was quite good academically. I was valedictorian, and so I had the smarts, and then I went on to university, and then that, those four years, sort of gradually took me away from from my faith and church. And uh, then I just went out into the world. Okay. Okay. So so you made a profession of faith. It didn't go very deep. Didn't go deep. So then tell me, when you, when you truly encountered Jesus personally, when, when, uh, when did that happen? Well, through all the... From there on, then I, I married her. <clears throat> she was of the United Church, and so I, d- I didn't really check into what their faith was or anything, but she had a friend who went to Prairie Bible College, or her, her where did Alice go? She went there? At PBI. Yep. So she was... Uh, so Marlene had that friend, and then they had street meetings, and she was converted at the street street meeting at 15. And then she was baptized into, she was baptized at the United Church. Yeah. But she had made a profession of faith at the street meeting. So, so, so now you met this girl, and she's Marlene, and she's a Christian. But she also went to the same high school I did. Okay. <laughs> she had to travel from Threels all the way to a little town called Acme. And her bus driver was one of the Jans. Have you heard of the Jans? Yes. Jans yes. team? Yeah. Well, their brother 
It's a missionary group. It's a missions-minded group, a family group. So anyway, Larry was their nephew of the Giants team, and he was her bus driver. But he was also a friend of mine. And so one day at... uh, we, from Linden, went to Threels to check out the, the girls, and she was on the street. So I said, uh, I know that girl, stop. We were in a half-ton truck, three of us. They went up in the cab, so they stopped, and I went over and ran to her, and she recognized me from school. From grade, She was in grade 9, I was in grade 12. And so then I asked her to go out with me, and so she said... I, would consider, but you have to ask me properly, ask me properly, and I might consider. And then I phoned up, I think, made a phone call later, and she accepted, and we dated for two years, and she was 16 with her engagement ring for two years, and at 18, we married. She married. So, So now you've met this Christian girl... And I didn't know she was a Christian. Oh. So so did you come to Christ through that whole thing then? Not yet. Oh, okay. No, we lived our, our lives as a, as a good united church. We didn't do anything. You know, we were good churchgoers too. Yeah. Attended uh, the United Church in Three Hills and at times. Or where, no, in Stettler. We moved to Stettler then. I pursued my accounting degree. So we moved to Stettler, and she uh, became involved in the United Church in Stettler. Then I knew she had a faith, and she taught Sunday school in, at the United Church, and I stayed home, and, or I went golfing or whatever. Like your dad? Well, my dad did nothing. No, but, I mean, your, yeah, your dad was not practicing, right. and your mom yeah, was. And I was uh, Yeah, so I just assumed the role of being the father and the... And the father of my children. Yeah. And that's, that's as far as it went. But then there was a... While in that time, we moved around quite a bit. And then we moved to... Revelstoke. To Revelstoke. This is various failed accounting uh, businesses and... and uh, I worked at the auction mart as a, their accountant and office manager and things of that nature. We moved to Revel, Revelstoke. And at Revelstoke, she again attended the United Church and, and was taught Sunday school. And I did my golfing and whatever else I could do on Sunday morning. And then one, and I, I also was the the manager of a of a small gas outlet bulk plant outlet outlet in Revelstoke, and I had what they call a key lock instead of a card lock where you had your own pump. There was a key lock, so there was a key lock there, and it had number I don't know how many twenty thirty customers. So one day a guy knocked on my office door. And he came in and said, I'm Henry Eastlaw. Hmm. So, well, I'm here to check out how many, I understand you're an Esau. How many Esau's are there in 
Revel Stokes, that's what I'm checking out. Oh, is that right? Well, I'm one. So how many more did you find? Just another young couple in us. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Before he left, he said, I would like to invite you to the Alliance Church in Revelstoke here, where I attend, and my wife, Betty. Okay, I might consider. And so I came home and told Marlene that, and she said, well, I've heard that uh, uh, founder. The founder was actually, it was a cult. So oh. she'd been cautioned by her parents that this could be a cult. And we are actually in an alliance church here today. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we carried on. And then uh, as time went by, not very much, many, but God was preparing my heart. Yeah. And, and so I said one day, well, I'd like to go to this alliance church. And she said, well, I'm not ready to do that. So she was still teaching and the United Church, but our oldest son said, Dad, I'll go with you. So he went with me to the Alliance Church, and then I, then she, she finally relented and said, okay, I'll come with you. And then we grew in our faith, and like the church and the people, then we, then we made a decision that this would be our home church, and we made a profession of faith then. That's when the Holy Spirit was really alive in my life. How old were you? I would have been 34. Okay. Wow. Wow. What, uh, what interesting windings of your experience, both of you, to yes. come to that place where Jesus comes alive to you. Yeah. Um, have you had, so uh, Henry Esau obviously was a big influence in your life. Have you had, had any other spiritual mentors in your life? Any spiritual mentors? Yes. Well, being, I was quite aggressive and, and quite anxious in my faith, and so I let my name stand for anything and everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm on the church board. I'm on the church board in Revelstoke. And then when we moved uh, uh, from Revelstoke, we moved to Saskatoon. I was on the church board of the Lawson Heights Alliance. There, so I had, I've got here, I've had, I don't know if you're, you know, a Roy Hubert. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he was one of my favorite pastors oh, okay. in Revelstoke. Yeah. And Bob uh, Faulkner. Yeah. He was my, another pastor. Mm -hmm. So I had pastor mentors okay. as I was serving on the church boards. Oh. And I was ser serving as treasurer and, and auditor because of my background in accounting. Yep. I also audited my own work. <laughs> that might not be the best. No, but it, it worked. <laughs> and the church has saved money because it didn't charge. Yeah, yeah. And so it, I was accepted that way. And so that, there were pastors along yeah. the way yeah. that mentored me to, and my family. And uh, then just by taking, being responsible and uh, taking a Sunday school class when a teacher didn't show up, I'd... I'd take mm -hmm. the adult class, and, mm -hmm. and you know, I started to make that a priority of uh, of uh, getting in the Word and and knowing what I had to do wow. as a as an elder. What a key thing for for you to 
not only meet Christ, but to meet Christ's people and for them to have influence in your life. And to have Marlene as, as a Christian. Even. Yeah, yeah. Which is totally... Uh, I want to come. I want to come back to the role of the Holy Spirit, or the role of the Holy Ghost, as you first, um, as you as you first affirmed in your teenage life. Uh, tell us, what does a spirit-filled life mean to you, Alan? Well, that's spirit-filled life is meaning that you you're following the Lord. You're you're getting your answers and your counsel from God himself mm-hmm. and and not in your own you, you question your own decisions and pray about them and then take them when they come the answers come and and follow it with in faith mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that to me is a spiritual life uh, so uh, so you've you basically you 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 came alive spiritually in your mid thirties. That's right. And you're you're in your what sixties now, seventies yeah, right. maybe. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be eighty-seven. Uh, okay, so a long time. Uh, tell tell the listener what what do you do to tend your spiritual life? What what habits do you have in your life that 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 keep you growing as a as a Christian? What works for you? What works for me? Praying regularly, definitely at, at mealtime, and, and then usually at bedtime. Okay. And keeping in tune and offering uh, help at the church usually for oh. whatever I'm able to do and Marlene's able to do. Yeah. So in, uh, in, we were the most active in the church in Revelstoke and in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. She was a part of the, you were the president of the ladies, what do they call the ladies there? Lions Women. Yeah, yeah. She was the president of that for years. Yeah. And I was on the elders board. So involvement. Involvement. Is a key thing. Totally involved. So prayer, involvement, anything else? Well, friends. Ah, okay. Friends too that were, and usually the board of elders were our friends. Yeah, yeah. And others as well that were our children. And they were in common, uh, age-wise. Yeah. And if they weren't part of the board, uh, we would be friends with their, with their children's parents. Yeah. And so that's what, how that went. Okay. Um, I'd like I'd like to know, uh, uh, how does God speak to you? Like, how do you know, how do you know that it's the Lord speaking to you? And how does he do it? First of all, you have to recognize that it is the Lord. Or or it's just, some would call it coincidence. But I just call it the Lord answering prayers. Or we, we would pray for children. Uh, they attended uh, Bible college, uh, two of them at Cairnport for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and one in CBC in Regina. Mm-hmm. And so that took a lot of faith and prayer to to uh, go with them when they left. They would take our car, and I was always praying that we'd get the car back. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't pray that we'd get our kids back. <laughs> 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 I needed the car. So they were... 
that kept us on our knees and and just God answering prayer and so so then you're keeping your antenna up to to see God at work through what other people would call a circumstance yes okay okay um, uh, uh, does God ever speak to you through scripture yes absolutely like how how can you tell it's him when when you're in the scriptures because there's a lot of verses in the Bible how do you know it's for you well I, I got this book I don't know if you ever know this 100 Bible verses by Robert Morgan Yes. Okay. That every Christian should know. Oh, that every Christian should know. Okay. Right. And so I I would read those, and then things would happen, and some, again, would call it coincidence, but that would be an answer to, to prayer. And and uh, I remember when my, uh, my youngest brother died. He was a Haldeman. Mm-hmm. And the Haldeman Church... People were at his bedside, and so was I, and he went brain dead. There was no more signals, but he was still breathing. So their group of men from their church prayed over him. And so then came time to to make a decision to pull the plug or not. So then I was involved in that with these Haldeman men. So they suggested that we should do this or that or that. Well, I said, oh, we just prayed that God would intervene here. So let's leave this till God intervenes or till we have pray for another prayer. And so we did, and then they agreed that uh, my decision was correct. Yeah. And then we, then we all, uh, I think, uh, well, the daughter or the wife of, the, of my brother and and the ministers of the church, and I agreed that we would pull the plug, but we would not. We would leave him die, naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and so I've had answered to prayer when I didn't know which way to go with wow. with anything. And that's that's a huge issue to to sense that that God is involved in it. That's a big thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me move to uh, a little bit more recent times. So the beginning of January this year, uh, you were baptized here at the church. Right. Uh, 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 by immersion. Right. Uh, and you're on oxygen, so we had to really work on that to make sure that it was going to be okay. Well, I was okay if you didn't put the, if I didn't make it. <laughs> uh, why was it important to you? Well, that first first baptism that I had with the Haldemans by mm-hmm. pouring, it wasn't the pouring that I I was fighting against. It was the fact that they excommunicated me and took the took the my name off the registry and nullified my baptism. Oh. Because I had married out of the faith. Oh. When I married her, they were kind enough to inform me that my name had been taken off of the, off of the role. Oh. You were persona non grata. That's right. So then I... Uh, but I used that baptism 
to gain uh, entry into the membership at Revelstoke. Yeah. I used that baptism as a membership to Lawson Heights at yes. Saskatoon. Yes, okay. And so finally it caught up with me and said, you know, I should, I should really be baptized again because that baptism was nullified by the church, oh. the Haldeman Church. Oh. And I just, and I was having struggled with some issues and I thought maybe if I was baptized the right way, those issues would clear up. Some did and some didn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was a step that I thought I had to take. Yes, yes. Oh, there's a lot woven into that. It's like it's an obedient step, certainly, but right. also with that whole excommunication and everything. That's a that's a very complex issue. Yes, it is. Uh, so you're involved here uh, at, at the Alliance in Chilliwack, uh, and uh, you and Marlene have kind of shepherded one of the sections of the church uh, every Sunday, and you kind of go around and just touch. We did, yes. Yes. Uh, what is the value of the local church to you? It's very important. We... Uh... Between her and myself, we when we saw other people one Sunday and then the next Sunday found out they were going to another church, and we did this, and we, we said we will never do this. We will stay at, at the church and under these two conditions. First of all, the, if others are leaving, they need us. You don't leave because others are leaving. Yeah. And, and you stay w- with them and, and pitch in rather than scoot to after another church. So we made a commitment between ourselves that we would always support the church we were at. So we've always just transferred from one Alliance church to another Alliance church to another Alliance church. Wow. Uh, so, listener, this is how... This is how a church can flourish, is through this kind of attitude and commitment. And that was, that was an unpaid plug, but I agree with you. Um, yeah. Well, when things get bad, they need you. And when times get good, you don't want to go. <laughs> so you have no choice. <laughs> That's a good word. Oh, boy. Okay, let, uh, let me... Uh, we're coming down to the end of our time here. Um, so how long have you been on oxygen, Alan? About four years, have I? Five years. Okay. So so you've you've come to understand at this phase in your life a little bit about suffering, a little bit about um, you know, having having your your boundaries shrink a little bit. Um, how does how does your physical situation impact your spiritual walk at this at this time? I think it's gotten better. Now, why would that be? Because I have more time to to read books and study, and oh. and Marlene only brings home about five books a week. <laughs> and some of these, Al, you should read this one, and I'll read that one, and. So I read read quite a bit more now than I did before, and I have time for, you know, I can't physically be involved in 
in church activity. I, I could still do some things, but at my age, uh, there's younger people that can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we we're part of a care group. Oh, you we're are still okay. going into a care group. Yep. We have one this afternoon. Yep. And so uh, we're involved, and uh, we I think we find we're finding both finding fulfillment in what we're doing. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. So, so our lives are a are a journey, and uh, <laughs> sometimes we go all over the place, through the weeds and through the mud, and and uh, sometimes we are on cloud nine from the beginning and we stay there. But uh, this has been uh, just great to talk with you today, Alan, and just to, to hear about your 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 experiences with God and how how He has not He has not let go of you. He's continued to speak to you through other people, through His Word, through circumstance, through answered prayer. And uh, so, uh, listener, I would commend uh, you letting Alan through this podcast today to mentor you in your own spiritual journey. Thank you, Alan. Thank you.